We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 392. Today's show is brought to you by Indochino, ShipStation, and Harry's. Scott, what's up? Sunday after Thanksgiving, getting uh, the, the Sunday scaries. This is one of those days of the year where no one wants to go back to work. Yeah, you got a long uh, long week before you. The holiday is obviously a Thursday, so most people check out a lot of the week, honestly, but Wednesday, definitely. And then, uh, yeah, hope you did. You have a good Thanksgiving. I know you've been battling the uh, dude the, the elements, right? You've been you've been you had your Jordan Thanksgiving. This uh, I've been sick the entire month of November. That's not even even an exaggeration. I was joking with Leanne that ever since we got married, I've been sick. So I'm, I'm clearly allergic to married life. Something's going on there. Yeah, but I I've had a terrible cold the last week. Maybe the worst holiday to be sick on is Thanksgiving because when you have such a bad head cold. You don't have really an appetite. You can't taste the food. 
And that's the one holiday of the year. You want to be able to eat everything you can possibly get your hands on, taste all the delicious food. And I was just sitting there. I could have been just eating bland pasta for all I knew. I couldn't taste shit. So the one thing that I, the one thing that's to me, like one of the, one of the really big downfalls, because everybody's like, if you go somewhere else for Thanksgiving, it's great because you don't have to do the cleanup. You're, you get to leave and, you know, you help clean up, but the majority of it, someone else is dealing with. But the problem I have is that like, yeah, they're always like, you know, take some leftovers, take some leftovers, but you never take enough. You definitely don't take like the, the amount that you want to take. So not having Thanksgiving at your house, because we went to my brother-in-law's place. And, you know, my, my wife filled up a couple bags. Obviously, she didn't put all the things in there that I wanted. She put in the things that she thought she wanted and then, like, felt bad for taking too much and all this crap. So I get, I get back and I don't have, you know, the second dinner that I want the next day. And you don't maybe, have your, your and maybe sandwich the third fixings. Day, the fixing, yeah. But I, I like to do, like, a full-blown second one. And then also the same The night of or the next day? Oh, no, the next day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, the next day. Or even, like, two days later. But, you know, it just runs dry very fast. And uh, that's that's one of the big things. So I will deal with, like, all of the stuff that comes along with hosting at Thanksgiving just so that I can have the leftovers. That's my new position. Why don't you just, why don't you just cook a turkey on your own, even if you're not at home? It's just not the same. That's not the same. Because then what am I supposed to then then I then then I would literally have to have like another dinner. The whole point about this is it's a special occurrence, right? It's yeah. you, you do this on a, on a on Thanksgiving. It's the holiday that you do it. If you start doing it more often, then it doesn't become it becomes something. No, that's you just, just cook. I mean, this is what my mom does this all the time. I mean, she hasn't hosted Thanksgiving in fifteen years, and every morning on Thanksgiving, she's cooking her own turkey. Oh, so even when you go somewhere else, your mom's cooking a turkey because she knows everybody's yeah. staying in her house. That's different. It's not a giant turkey. It's a it's a smaller turkey, but it's a and turkey she's, nonetheless. And is she purely doing it for the leftovers? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's only for the next day sandwiches and then probably another meal on Saturday or Sunday. Okay. So I, I understand that. That makes sense because you guys are probably going up there and she's she's got the family staying at the house and all these things. So she needs that. I get that. I'm not willing to do it. That's a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm not hosting it and I'm just doing a whole thing, like, because you're not going to have all the sides. To me, like this, it's the sides too. You need all the all the good sides that everybody else makes too, right? Like yeah. you have the medley of sides. So I don't know what you go to. Like, do you have a go-to side? Because I certainly do. Yeah. So I, I went to Leanne's side this year for Thanksgiving. First time that I, I've been there for Thanksgiving. And they had like a, a whole stuffing lineup. There was four different stuffings at the table. Wow. Yeah. Again, though. I couldn't fully enjoy them because you had no idea which one was which because I couldn't. Everything was like muted. Everything was like turned down like 40 percent as far as taste goes. So it all tasted good, but you're not getting the full experience. It was really I, I was I was sitting there jealous of everyone who I mean, everything was delicious. But uh, yeah, usually stuffing. I like um, I like to just basically you, you get a pile of food. And then you take gravy, and no matter what, you just dump it over everything. But I also yeah. like having cranberry sauce. A lot of people don't like cranberry sauce. I like the, the can, the can, or the or the. Uh, I'll like do whatever. I'm do. not opposed to the canned stuff. Like yeah. let's all let's everyone can just admit the canned stuff tastes good. It probably takes months off your life every time you eat it, but it tastes good, people. So yeah, it, I like it does. To get, I mean, if you like cranberry sauce, maybe, but it's, oh, you don't like cranberry not, sauce. It's just not good. No, I like it, and good. I also like it for the, the, the next day sandwich. You mix a little cranberry sauce with some mayo on, on the bread. It's a, that's a nice, nice so treat for your sandwich. Something that my family used to do, we haven't really done it in a long time because it was my great aunt and uncles. It was kind of like their thing, is 
in instead of the cranberry sauce during dinner, they may have still had cranberry sauce. I don't remember, but ahead of dinner, and it was before dinner, you uh, there would be like a little dish of sherbet, like orange sherbet, that you would have that we would have <coughs> actually with dinner, or like right before dinner, and yep. then you go into your Thanksgiving dinner. I've never yeah. seen that. Do you know why? In many other places to clean the palate. Yeah, to get it's it a ready palate to cleanser. Go. Yeah, that's but, an Italian thing. I haven't, I haven't really seen it, um, and nobody's Italian on that side of the family, but the, uh, I haven't seen it anywhere else. I haven't really heard many people talking about doing that, but we would always have it ahead of dinner, and then you go into it. That's also why there's ginger when you go to a sushi restaurant. Yeah, I know that. It's the same concept. I've seen people just eat the ginger, though. Oh, yeah. I've, I dated a girl. With those people. I dated a girl uh, a while back, and she used to put the ginger on top of the sushi. No, like, that's, that's for the each dumbest bite. thing. That's so stupid. We broke up. Good, <laughs> good. <laughs> but uh, all right. Hope everyone out there had a nice Thanksgiving. And I apologize for like the fourth episode in a row for cacking through this entire thing. I'm gonna try and cough off microphone. But uh, we've got uh, already about half the tickets sold for the March 14th weekend in Tampa for the spring training event. It's an awesome deal. 85 bucks. You get a game ticket for that Saturday up in the the right field first base side bullpen club. All-you-can-eat buffet with ballpark food and all-you-can-drink domestic beer. It is an awesome deal. It's, it's a ton of fun. We've, this is now the third year in a row we've done this sort of, um, the this club, sort of the upstairs, club thing. Yeah. But we've been going to spring training for five. This will be our fifth year. It's one of my favorite trips of the year. Cannot wait for this year, March 14th weekend. Yeah, it's domestic beer. It's all the fountain drinks you need and wine as well. Is uh, and, and the cool thing about the bullpen club is it stretches all the way down the first baseline. So it actually starts behind home plate and goes down the entire right side. So they have buffets set up like towards home plate and like, you know, stretch down a little bit further. And then the bars, um, you know, closer to where the actual bullpen is. And that's where the sitting area is and all that stuff, too. So you're able to like walk up and down um, and, and stretch out. Uh, throughout the first baseline so it's a lot of fun yeah there's about pretty much half of them are sold at this point um and i know i've we've gotten some some big groups coming down I, there's a there's a bachelor party coming down as well that's still putting their plans together so nice. i've got some uh we've some had tickets. bachelor parties in the past it's a great yeah, yeah. idea it is a good idea so we've had some tickets um i have some tickets set aside as well for so, a couple people as well but um so don't wait they're going to be gone very soon I, I don't expect them to be around long um and then again we have a good amount of people coming from the website this year too so uh, looking forward to you, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. And, and some um, kick-ass regular season events, too, yeah. to start the year. May 9th against the Red Sox. That's a Saturday game. And then Friday, June 26th against the Cubs. That's going to be a really fun whole – That's gonna. it's going to be like Cubs week because you don't see the Cubs come in very often. I, I can't even remember the last time the Yankees played the Cubs in the Bronx. I know they went in 2017 to Wrigley Field, but can you recall? Can you, like, picture that game? I can't even remember it. No. I had, I had, we should, we could probably look it up pretty easily. But yeah, that's, that's yeah. <laughs> the, uh, no, I, I don't know when the last time they came to, uh, to the Bronx, if they have, but the, uh, no, that's going to be fun. It's one of those, it's like when the Dodgers came, it's just one of those, uh, those, those games that the teams that you kind of want to see in different places, want to see the Dodgers back in New York, you know, back in New York, like they've been in New York in our lifetime. But, uh, and then the Cubs are one of them. They're just a historic franchise in the national league. And obviously before, they um, they did all the interleague play. They, they, these teams never played each other. So uh, the Cubs certainly never, you know, played the Yankees because you got to be in a World Series for that. You got to actually, you know, get to that point before the uh, interleague play started. So that was few and far between for the Cubs. So this is one of those very rare occurrences. So I'm excited for that. And then we got um, two more home games coming up with that uh, at Yankee Stadium for uh, for this season for the BP Crew events. We'll, we'll be announcing soon. 
Um, we're doing a game at the Trenton Thunder this year. I'm very excited about that one. That one is June 13th. Uh, we're, we'll put out all the details for that for that one, but we're doing a lot of really cool stuff around that too. There's going to be opportunities for uh, all of us to um, you know, participate in some of the games in, in, uh, in, in between the innings. Like they're going to be doing a lot of that stuff from, from our, uh, from our section. So, um, keep an eye out for that one. And then we're, we're working on a road trip or two as well. Cannot wait. All right. So Thanksgiving has come and gone. The winter meetings are coming up December 8th, basically no movement on the free agency front. There's a couple of minor things. The, um, the White Sox spent some money recently in the free agent market, but none of the big names have gone. It just here we are again for the third year in a row, crickets on the hot stove. Well, I mean, just because they're shuffling their decks, man, they're trying to find out what's what's going on. And I think you have, because of all of the Houston stuff, <laughs> I think it kind of set things back as well. I mean, not to say that it, you know, big big guys weren't going to fall if that if the Houston news didn't come out, but. It's, it's certainly overshadowed everything, and, and I think that people, uh, teams kind of want that to die down. And I mean, you think I think so. What, Why? I don't know. I just think it's taken up a lot of the the time. And it's and the taken thing up is, a lot of the media's attention and a lot of the news cycle. Pretty much everything news related that's come out for baseball this off season has been negative. Well, you, that's the thing. You kind of want it to run its course, right? Let it let it play out in the media. Let it let it run its its uh, its news cycle at least the beginning, because I'm sure it's going to come back up, you know, raging again when the winter meetings start. But at least you have to let it run its cycle. Like you can't just make a big move in the middle of that. It's it, there's a opportunity that's the to get overshadowed. Time. Every every know. everyone else not is for teams be that want to be that. not for teams that want to. Well, yeah, I mean, there's things going on behind the scenes, but. Not for not for teams that want to make a big big splash in the media for for signing a guy. That's I don't know. To me, it's not the time to do it. Yeah. Um, but we'll see the winter meetings. They'll all happen. Uh, you know, obviously, I think a lot of things happen after that anyway, just because these guys get in the same room. Not to say they're not talking because they are, but um, it's just one of those formalities. Well, no, you can't. They can't talk because okay. remember that's can't okay. you can't talk about how you've been talking. Sure. Yeah. No. You're gonna you get, you're gonna you slap on the wrist for that. You can't speak out about how you've been talking. Yeah. But they're talking. Well, I just think back. Maybe to, they're going into like the you know the the PlayStation and like Xbox rooms and talking in there. What do you mean the PlayStation rooms? Don't you know that that's that's how like terrorists talk. That's how like things happen. Oh, they, like they the, go uh, in the um, the chat rooms of the uh, I'm not a of gamer. the games. Me I either. Been, but I, I just been know a gamer that that since college it's 10 that years exists. Ago. That exists. My my little brother is uh, that's how he hangs out with his friends. He goes in that in those rooms <laughs> and they all hang out. <laughs> in in the when you say these least, rooms. These virtual they're like I mean, chat rooms. They're like chat rooms. We're we're making fun of this. Meanwhile, we made a bunch of friends on the internet because we all like baseball. No, but it's a different way of doing it. You don't think about that. I mean, it, there's also um, I'm trying to think of what what show it was like Homeland. One of those shows, you see that there's there's coordination, there's communication in these chat rooms from um, like terrorist organizations. So like it's a, it's a like, way to hide. Basically, it's a way to mask that you're talking. So Brian I can see Billy being MLB the show. Yeah, or he's. You know, he's live. Is he actually playing? Or is it going to be like Call of Duty and it's not even a baseball game? Probably not. It's probably yeah. some random game where he's got a burner account. Lots of levels of security there. Yeah, it's not, not terrible. But I just think back to some of the really busy winters when the Yankees and Red Sox were going at it. Do you remember like the infamous 2003 Thanksgiving when the Yankees were going after Jose Contreras and Kurt Schilling, like those were the two battles. And, and there's that story about Theo Epstein, like 
raiding Kurt Schilling's Thanksgiving. I'm sure that was a really lovely Thanksgiving table anyway with Kurt Schilling. But he like stalked his house, made sure he like finished dinner and then like had a meeting with him or something crazy. And it's just that doesn't happen anymore. These these this free for all for the top guy either on the free agent market or the trade market or whatever it is, just doesn't seem to happen anymore. No, well, again, I just think it happens. It's just more of a behind-the-scenes thing. I think that these guys are really taking more calculated Yeah, but I wish approaches. they had those fun stories to talk about. Yeah, we will maybe in like 15 years. We'll find like out we more spent, about them. We spent weeks last, last offseason talking about how the Yankees took Patrick Corbin out to Taco Bell. Yeah, yeah. When, when was that? When did that actually happen? Did that happen before or after? I don't remember the time frame. I don't remember. But I, the, I feel like that was around November, right? Late November, early December time frame. Yeah, the uh, the whole Cole thing though is is very interesting now too, and I know we're going to talk a lot about Ellsbury because of the the Yankees trying to get out from under that contract, and the the I think the dynamic that that they're Cole and Ellsbury are both Boris guys, and if you think about this, like people are like, oh, you know, it's not it, it's it's Ellsbury who gives a shit. Well, Scott Boris gives a shit because there's a lot of money at stake right now. What is it, twenty six million dollars or something? It's that's a lot of money for a guy to lose. I mean, we already know that it was it was already, a, a, as Yankee fans, we have already said goodbye to that. We've already just like, it is what it is. He's, he's gone, contract's gone, like out of, out, of, uh, out of sight, out of mind. But now the Yankees and Boris have a, and in Ellsbury have a very big fight on their hands on both sides for a lot of money and a lot of money that, that has big implications for what could be done. And I don't know if it's going to, you know, if there's anything going to be, uh, you know, resolved in time to make any moves. Probably not. But it's still a good amount of money for, for that those two parties. And the fact that Boris is going to have communications with Cashman about Cole, knowing that they're not trying not to pay Ellsbury that money, that's got to be something there. There's got to be some weird dynamic. Yeah, let's get into the Ellsbury versus the Yankees. But first, I want to talk to you about Indochino. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more, and everything is made to your exact measurement for a great fit. The process is simple. Choose your fabric, pick your customizations, and submit your measurements. Your package will be delivered straight to your door in two weeks. You can get measured and design your suit at your nearest Indochino showroom, or do it all yourself online at Indochino.com. I've used them before in the past for suits and dress shirts. It is well worth the money and the time. You go in, you know you're getting a quality product. It's fun too. You can customize it, you put your initials on it, you can pick the the liner, and you know you're getting a good product. It's gonna fit you well. It's a nice modern fit suit. So you go into a job interview, you go into work, or you go into a wedding, you're gonna look great. Right now, you can get $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering Blue Wire at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com, promo code BLUEWIRE, for $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more. I think that the Ellsbury Yankees thing is going to drag out all winter. I I think it's just talking, these articles being reported, and I know Ken Rosenthal reported that Ellsbury's doctor didn't treat him for any baseball-related injuries. They were all other injuries ailments he's dealing with more on the the line the along the lines of trying to just rehab and general health and apparently Ellsbury's been seeing this doctor for years and it was never an issue until the Yankees decided oh well we don't have that insurance in the last year of the contract let's see if we can get out from under this but I I do like where you're going with this 
And how does this affect their negotiations if there's going to be negotiations for Cole and Scott Boris? Like, it can't help, right? I mean, you got to believe that Scott Boris at this point in his career can separate the players and, and dealings with a team and have them in compartmental, you know, different compartments as far as negotiations and feelings. I mean, he's he's a he's a he's a cold-blooded, cold-hearted killer, is what he is. Scott Boris is out for blood, and he's out for money, and he's out there to make as much uh, money for his guys as possible. And when you're looking at the two different paydays, obviously, there is a hell of a lot more money involved currently in Cole uh, in Garrett Cole over the one year of of Jacoby Osbury that he really has nothing to do with at this point because there's he has no control of anything. But but. Scott Boris and just the players union in general does not want this to be a precedent where teams can void final years of contracts or, or multiple years of contracts for this kind of thing. The, the reason baseball players union is so strong is because they maximize dollars for players with these big long-term contracts and they're guaranteed, which is unlike other sports. And maybe that's a problem, Right. Because they're not seeing as frequently guys getting signed to long long contracts on the open market. So maybe that is a problem. But they don't want this precedent to start where a team can just say, oh, you you went to this doctor. You, you saw the dentist and we didn't approve that dentist. So guess what? You can't get the final year of your contract. I mean, the they bottom line. Anything. They can start fudging things. Not really. They just have to get approval for going to places. I mean, I, I don't see it as crazy, especially when you're a guy that hasn't played in years and you're getting paid as much money. You should be getting check. You should be getting sign-offs for every guy that you see. Anybody you talk to that has anything to do that touches you in any way or looks at you in any way beyond eye contact, you should get a sign-off from Brian Cashman because you're not doing anything productive for this team. So I completely understand where they're coming from as far as a guy that he's traveling to go see, that there's definitely some weird... Just, PMC in Atlanta, Progressive I mean, Medical Center. They okay. focus on... Progressive focus not, Medical Center. Like, that doesn't... That just <laughs> sounds like a steroid clinic to me. It just sounds made up. Focuses not on rehabilitating specific injuries, but on reducing inflammation in patients by identifying and treating its underlying causes. Yeah. Maybe HGH, he's like an herbal supplement guy. Right. Maybe, maybe he's just rubbing different, like, you know... Creams from his garden, different creams uh, on his on his bum ankle and his hurt toe and his shoulder and, and his, his back and everything else that was bothering Jacoby Ellsbury. Who told you to put the bomb on? I didn't <laughs> tell you to put the bomb on. Who told you to put the bomb on? No, he's he's going out there and and visiting weird doctors in Atlanta. You don't do that. I'm sorry. I know that he went through. Uh, he's all done the... it before though, and the Yankees didn't have an issue. That's where I think this falls apart for the Yankees. I he had been seeing that doctor for years, yeah. and they never raised an issue with it until now. They never approved it either. Their doc. That, that's true. Their doctor, the doctor Victor Bouquet. Victor Conti is that what you just said? Yeah. Um, <laughs> he he said, you know, I've never. The Yankees never raised an issue until now. This is right. new. Yeah, yeah, this is new. This is new. They've never, they've never said yes either. They've, they've never gone out and said, okay, approval, granted. You can go see this weird doctor in Atlanta with a sketchy name that sounds exactly like every other steroid clinic that we've seen come up. No, and but he's saying, Bouquet's saying that PEDs are against our policy. We don't believe in steroids. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's a good line to have. I mean, I would, I would, that's a good like, ethos to have as a, as a, as a clinic. 
We don't believe in steroids. Steroids are anabolic steroids. Not good for the for the body long term. Or you could just take the Dave Chappelle route. Just, Sorry, officer. I didn't know I, I couldn't didn't do know that. I couldn't do that. The um, the thing is, is when you're looking at some of the things that they're saying and they're like, oh, we would never. It's actually completely contrary to what we believe in. Steroids, while they may be while they may be beneficial in the short term and help what's happening with your symptoms, they are not going to uh, they're not going to alleviate the underlying problem and why things are happening. Why? I thought okay, HGH that, these helps are, these you get are, back on the field faster. HGH, that's exactly, yeah, it helps you get, but, but you know, long-term, it's got, it's got um, deteriorating. So factors. do you think that Ellsbury was doing stero- some form of illegal performance-enhancing drugs seeing this doctor the last couple of years? We know he probably did something shady back in 2011, which got him his huge payday when he was with the Red Sox. Yeah. But do you think he was doing anything shady these last couple of years with the Yankees to try yeah, and pro- get back on the field? I mean, probably. And that's why the Yankees have Isn't no problem that, with it. Because the f- Yankees are looking the other way because they're like, we can't. <laughs> at this point, we do need him back on the field. Yeah. So if he gets Good. popped for do something, what you gotta then do, man. go for it. But now now that we have an opportunity to get out from under this goddamn yeah, see, contract. That's not fair. That's not it, fair. it is fair. They are paying him. It's They can do whatever they want with the information. How is that not fair? It's It's their money. They're still spending that money to go out there and, and to see if this guy can get back healthy. They tried. They gave him every opportunity to get back healthy. You know, whether they were looking the other way in certain times or they were trying to um, make, give him the benefit of the doubt because he knows his body the best, fine. But guess what? It didn't work. And then throughout this process, other injuries would stem. They'd come out of absolutely nowhere. It was like Stanton this past year. Well, we thought All he was making up injuries. All of a sudden, Stanton's rehabbing all his knees hurts. We thought the Yankees were making up injuries, or it was like an agreement with Ellsbury where they were just going to say, you're going to hurt something, so when, you're going to still get paid, but <coughs> but insurance is going to pay for it. So we're going to make up, oh, now your toe hurts. Yeah, well, I don't know. Apparently, Dr. Doom over here in, in Atlanta is is going through and, and putting these, uh, <laughs> these, whatever the hell he's doing, trying so to get the inflammation down. There's not much of a precedent for these sorts of things working out for the team. Why is he so inflamed? He hasn't done anything. Why is there such inflammation going on Maybe in, he's eating in Jacoby Ellsbury's body? Is he eating nightshades? Those are uh, inflammatory. Why, why is this a problem with him? Ice. Uh, why does he get in an ice bath? He's, he's, he's got a broke body. He's just got Jesus. a broke body. There's some it's, guys don't have broke bodies. Some guys can play through ailments small injuries they can run through a wall yeah they're gonna be banged up but they're gonna be out there the next day they're gonna tape it up rub some dirt on it and go out there no not Ellsbury I've been uh I've been whitewater rafting in the pack the Pacific Northwest before that is that is glacier water that's coming down it's cold it's cold just jump in a river he doesn't have to do much to get the inflammation down I'm saying you definitely don't have to go to a natural spring water does help joints Yes, glacier water. Glacier water sounds unbelievable. They bottle that shit and put you in, put it in, in, uh, in clinics in Atlanta apparently. So I just don't think I don't see a way this ends for the Yankees. Well, I don't see it. I, I don't see it, it. unless it's, it's, they can get. It's the same thing pro- though. What 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 harm does it do? There's no, no PR it, problem here. No, uh, I, it's just dragging. It's going to be a, a topic of conversation. Is all. I guess they're 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 shooting their shot. They're saying, let's see if yeah. we can get something. Yeah, why not? At this point, it really doesn't matter for them because they're either paying him or they're not paying him. And if they don't shoot, then they're 
They're not. They they're, could they're reach a settle, They could reach a settlement though, which I have not gotten a firm answer how a settlement affects the luxury contract, the luxury tax. So it's not out of uh, dollars out of pocket. No. So I, I have not been able to confirm uh, on all these articles written. There hasn't been something where if a settlement is reached, say the Yankees right now owe him $26 million. Say yeah. they reach a settlement for $15 million. I don't know if $15 million affects the luxury tax, 26 affects the luxury tax, or zero affects the luxury tax. I don't know. I haven't seen, I haven't seen someone say one way or the other. Let me tell you what it's going to be. It's going to be it's going to be one dollar short of that last luxury tax limit. Whatever the amount is that that affects it, that's where the settlement will be. That's well, when Boris steps in and be like, "Look, okay, we're settling now. Okay, let's. This is where we need the money because this is how much you need to stay under that second for and sign Cole. This is where we need Ellsbury needs to take a uh, take a bath uh, and, and and eat some money. Cole will send it to him through Bitcoin or something into offshore account." And everybody will be happy. There's also a whole angle with this where there's player confidentiality. And the Yankees could have done something shady there that they went that they broke some sort of policy for um, confidentiality with doctors and, and stuff like that. But the problem is is that there he's not he's not going out and actually telling the Yankees. So the from what I've from what I've read in this too, there have been Instances where there, all the information has not been given to the Yankees. There have been things left out, whatever that is, whether it's you know a certain visit here or a certain visit there, or it was just general saying, hey, I'm going to visit this doctor in this place, but then certain visits were left out. You know, I don't know. I don't know if they're checking flight records and looking to see when Ellsbury's traveled. Who knows? They might have a handler. I, I think they do have a spotter on him just to make sure that the insurance, like anything that they could possibly find, that guy's writing down. I'm envisioning. I'm envisioning Boris going into Yankee Stadium meeting with Brian Cashman, and it's like they have two things on the agenda. One of them is the Ellsbury situation. The other one's Garrett Cole, and it's like they're yelling at each other tooth and nail about uh, Ellsbury. Boris is cursing out Cashman, and then he's like, "Okay, let's talk about Garrett Cole." So, what can you do for my client? <laughs> he's like, "Oh, I brought you a present uh, for for the Garrett Cole signings, not for the Ellsbury, just for the Garrett Cole signings. Three hundred million dollars, you say? Okay, yes, please." Yeah, I think he's going to make the money on the Garrett Cole signing. You know, I, I think that you have to, for him, it's... it's the only question again, is, he's is he got nothing to do the Yankees? It. He's just got nothing to do with it. It's out of his hands now. Now now it's going to be in the hands of, uh, you know, uh, the courts or whomever is the arbitrator, whoever is actually going through this and making that uh, the the, um, the decision on, on what's happening. So it really doesn't have much to do with Boris anymore, I don't think. With the holiday rush here, you have to be able to ship out orders quickly, efficiently, and affordably. But how do you keep track of all those orders, decide which shipping carrier to use, or even if you're getting the best rates? Luckily, ShipStation can help. With just a few clicks, you'll be managing orders, printing labels, and getting those products out the door and delivered on time for the holidays. ShipStation has been a big part of what we do at Bronx Pinstripes. It makes it much easier to get products out the door, make sure you're getting them where, they want, where they're where they supposed to go and, and on time and at a very good rate. Plus, their customer service is top-notch. That's one thing I've been very impressed about. If I've had any issues, I call them, I get resolved very quickly. So no waiting on hold or doing any of that nonsense. It's been very quick, straight to the point, and I'm super happy with that. Um, you got to take the hassle out of the holiday shipping this year. Let ShipStation help you handle everything with ease. Just use my offer code BLUE to get 60 days free trial. That's two months free of no hassle, stress-free holiday shipping. 
Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com. Enter offer code BLUE. ShipStation. Make ship happen. So Greg Bird, I guess we're still talking about Greg Bird. He has elected free agency. He cleared waivers. He's not going to take his assignment and go back to Scranton. Any any thoughts on that? Happy to see him go. Wish him the best. I just don't care anymore. Don't I'm care. Just, I'm, Great. I'm, we can move on. I'm over it. You know, one thing that we didn't touch on the last week, because I totally forgot about it. I know we had it in the notes, but I'm telling you, man, that little altercation that, that um, it wasn't really an altercation. It was just a... The little, the little shrug of the shoulders. It was completely made up in your mind. No, it was completely accurate. Everything started there. You could see it. I don't know if he was battling some kind of demons inside, and he was just like, you know, there was. Uh, he was just sad because his abilities were not proving to be, you know, what he thought they were going to be, and and he just felt like an inferior person. And then the presence of Derek Jeter just completely compounded that, and he never got over it. I mean, he literally never got over it. I think he was watching where he was when he went fishing and he was like off of the off of the US. I think at some point like he could see the Florida Keys. He could see Jeter's house from Davis Island. And he was just like binoculars. Yeah. <laughs> just like woe is me. Staring at Jeter and his wonderful life with his beautiful wife. Well, kid. I I, I do hope that we can p- finally put Greg Bird and Jacoby Ellsbury just to rest. And then that kind of I saw a lot of articles being written, and I wrote one about the Yankees' 2010s decade. And looking back over the last 10 years, 2010 to 2019, 10 seasons of baseball. How would you, what are your feelings looking back at that? It's kind of a blur. It's almost like one of these, when you look back at how much didn't happen and how much could have happened, Mm -hmm. it all meshes together. And it's just, you know... I don't even see that that many opportunities lost because it seems like I don't know early parts happened. of the decade. Yeah, but it happened so early. That's the thing when you're thinking about the whole decade, like things went things went wrong early on, and when you see the what happened with Ellsbury, and then all of a sudden you got like, all of a sudden you look up and Kevin Euclid is in tr- and Vernon Wells are on your team. You're like, what the Travis Hafner? Like, what just happened? Like, what? Yeah, it happened. What just fast. happened? How did this? How did this go down? Like, how do we now have all of these weird veterans on the team? And, um, and you know, and now we're losing Cano and we have Ellsbury. It's just like strange things happened. So I tried to sum up in the article I wrote, like each year, not necessarily was it a success or a failure, because when you're the Yankees, any season that doesn't end with a championship is a failure. Like, that's just the company line. And that's how a lot of fans act. But, you know, as well as I do. 2017 didn't feel like a failure, did it? No, no, because it was a resurgence. It was like right. a, it was a breath of fresh air. So, and but, the Yankees did something very different than they have ever than they've done in our lifetime. So I tried to sum it up from how did it feel from a fan perspective going into the winter. 2010 definitely felt like a failure. They couldn't repeat. They had the same team as the 2009 championship, and they lost in the ALCS to Texas. Underachievement. 2011. You could kind of see it's like, uh, things are getting a little worse. Everyone's getting a little bit older. They got bounced in the ALDS. 2012, it was sad because Jeter couldn't even stay on the field in the ALCS. He got he hurt his ankle, and they got swept by Detroit. And you could kind of tell, all right, this is probably it for the core. But those years, 10, 11, and 12, they won 95-plus games in the regular season every year. So they were still good, but they could not get it done in the playoffs. So I, 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 I sort of lump those years together in the decade those three years that's one chunk of it but then and also like mentality wise in those in those years you're already you know we just come off 2009 
There have been championships before that. Yankees were always in the mix. It hadn't been like as long of a stretch that the Yankees were not. Oh, those three you know, years very are, are World Series are bust. You're going. You went all in on free agency. Yes. Your your homegrown players are at the ends of their career. career. Absolutely. It's win or go. Home. It's win or bust. In but those. my point is, is that there was no, there wasn't like a feeling of, um, of like that we gotta win this year. Like it's it's I don't know. Like the oh, feeling. Really? I thought that was. 10, 11, no, no, 12, no. To be, I like, no, I mean, it, different in the sense that we haven't won in so long. That drought wasn't there, where no. it's it's got to happen. I mean, like the drought of the desperation because of a drought. Yes, because the aging players are there, but you still have that feeling, like yeah, they can absolutely win. Now it's just like now we got to see it to believe it again. It's almost a, it's a very different feeling. Yeah, and then thirteen and fourteen, those were just depressing years. Other than the Mariano and Jeter farewell tours, nothing good to talk about, right? 15, they pulled us back in. That was the first year we were doing the podcast. They pulled us back in. They pulled me back in, only to let us down. Wheels fell off at the end. It was, if you were watching the team all year, you could sort of see it was a slow, gradual decline. Everyone was declining that year. 16, the first half was the same as 15, but then they actually, quote, rebuilt at the trade deadline. They traded away some guys. They retooled. Sanchez comes up, Judge comes up, Severino is there. Like it's Sanchez, ex- Sanchez is like Babe Ruth. Hit 20 in- home runs in, in two months. It was a really fun second half of the season, even though they weren't playing for anything. And then 17, they took a massive step forward, and that felt exciting. Even though they lost in the ALCS, it felt exciting. Now we know why, maybe why they... they which feels dirty now, yeah. Which feels dirty now, but it, it, think about it. At the time, nothing but good things to say about the team. And then 18 and 19, I, I now lump back into underachievement. They built World Series contending teams, and they haven't reached the World Series in those two years. So the whole decade, no World Series appearances. Middle of it was just so nothing. Jacoby Ellsbury, these contracts, Carlos Beltran, Brian McCann, like, ugh, I don't, it's not fond memories of these players and the randomness of some of those players. And I sort of got on this topic because I was searching through Jacoby Ellsbury in the Yankees decade. Do you realize that for that decade, Jacoby Ellsbury ranks 14th on the Yankees war list for position players? Yeah. I would have thought he would have ranked 114th. 14th. It speaks to the players, doesn't it? It speaks to what was going on in that decade. It speaks to the the length that, you know, the... um, the the core was there, and when they and when they left, they weren't there long enough to put up the the numbers probably to compete in that as as high. And then you have just a bunch of random dudes, man. That just it just was a it was a, a strange semblance of guys. And now you have young guys coming up. So, you know, if he had stayed on the field, just stayed on the field at all, he probably would have been top five. So in the article I wrote, I, I pulled the top twenty war leaders over the last decade for the Yankees. Some fun things from it. Aaron Judge ranks third, despite the fact that he's only been there really since 2017. Just goes to show you how great he is. DJ LeMay, who cracked the top 20. Hell yeah. And he only played one year. Hell yeah. Glaber Torres is 17th, but he would be my number one pick to lead the 2020 to 2029 Yankees. You mean, oh yeah, for the next decade, for sure. I, I Well, him or Judge, I think. I just think Glaber has a Glaber's younger, so there's there's more prime. He's twenty two. He's twenty two, right? Uh, he might be. Is he twenty three at this point? I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know. It's gonna be a sad day when he turns twenty three. I feel like I that's why a, everyone that's... was just talking about how oh my god he's twenty three and he's a yeah. shortstop but he's hitting forty home runs. Twenty two sounds better. Yeah. 
But it was, you know, go check out the article. There's been a lot of great articles written on the website uh, recently, but. Um, 2010 to 2019, RIP. I'm glad we're moving on. 2020s are looking up, in my opinion. Yeah. No, I think it's going to be. We we get we have another core now, you know, and and it's a matter of uh, getting these guys under contract so that we can keep them around for a long time, um, and uh, we'll see what they can do. But we got some good. I, I I've seen some things about the Yankees window and it closing soon, and all. I've seen some random articles written because of the. The news cycle has been very dry, and people are just pulling and trying to get some things going. Yeah, people want clicks. Those are probably the same writers saying Derek Jeter is overrated. The, f- yeah. the fact is, is that this window is not remotely closing. the The window that the Yankees have is is wide open. They have a very young nucleus, and none of them are under contract yet. Once they get them under contract, uh, and we see them for even longer times. They're not even some of them. You, you could argue are not even clo- not even in their prime. Two to three years from their prime. If you look at body and and how the um you know the, the 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 physical body and like when you're at your best fitness, they some say 28, 27, 28 years old is when you're at that point. So we have guys that are are you know not even to that point yet that are going to be superstars. So um, when you see Glaber at 22, there's no years argument old, for awesome. the Yankees window is closing. There's none. People have tried to, but it doesn't exist. And the fact is, the Yankees are now, I think, are getting to a point where there will be money spent because of the money that's coming off the books. Whether well, it's this year or next year. But the money coming off the books is really more next year. Whether it's this year or next year, there's going to be more money spent, which means this, this team is going to be even further loaded. And I know a lot of that money has to go to people that are already existing on the team, but I still think there's going to be a good amount of signings whether it's this year or not, whether the fact that they go out there and sign a Garrett Cole or they, or they spend it next year, however it's going to be, there's going to be money spent in the next two years. Yeah, and one of those, not a signing, but a rumored um, possible acquisition is the Yankees have interest for Oakland's Blake Trinan. He's a relief pitcher. He's 32 years old. He's tall, big, tall, right-handed pitcher. 6'5". Entering, yeah. yeah, entering final year of arbitration. He's had a weird couple years. He was acquired midseason in 17 from the Nationals. Was really good with Oakland in 2018. Like, really freakishly good. 81 innings, 38 saves, .78 ERA, 1.82 FIP. Just fantastic season. He was on the All-Star team. And then this year, 2019, he stunk. 58 innings, 4.91 ERA, 5.14 FIP. So, who is he? Like, what are you getting if you acquire him? That's a huge question, I think. It is a huge question. You know who he reminds me of? I was trying to place who he reminded me of, and now I got it. And granted, I don't think he's got the checkered past uh, that this guy has, but Hunter Strickland was a guy that a similar similar player in the sense that he – and you see this with relievers. That's the thing about relievers. That's the beauty, and that's why we're, that's why it's so mind-numbing that if you're, we're considering a guy like this and then you have a guy like Dylan Batances who's done nothing but show you that he's been a consistent reliever – when he's on the field, granted, he's that we have this Achilles thing, but supposedly it's not going to be a, a problem. Um, but when you see relievers peak, there's uh, so many peaks and valleys. They spike. Yeah, just and then look at disappear. Tommy Canley over the last two years. Yeah. But uh, Hunter Strickland was a guy who you know, showed like freakishly good, uh, good stuff on the field and then fell off the face of the planet and then was an ass off the field. He had that altercation with Bryce Harper, I think. But the uh, – and and Trennan's the same type of guy where he showed when he got he got traded from Washington went to Oakland and then the next he was thrown to like a five something ERA was terrible and then got to Oakland turned it around so 
they did something with him. I don't know. And, and, uh, was able to turn around. And then the following year in 2017, right. Uh, or 2018 had that really good year. Yeah. 18, 17 was, was when you got traded 18. He finished 15th at MVP. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, granted they were a team that was, they came on like gangbusters at the end of the year. They had uh, Oakland a was a very they, good second half team in 18. Yes. And he was one of the biggest reasons. Yes. And they were very reliant on their bullpen. So he's estimated to make $7.8 million in his final year of arbitration next year. If you're going to be spending seven to 8 million on him for one year, I I just don't see how that makes sense when you could sign Dellen Batances. I know it would be for longer term than one year, but when you're talking about per year, luxury tax implications, why would you spend 7.8 on him when you could spend maybe 8.5, 9.5 on Dellen Batances? Yeah, I, I think it's the commitment. I think the fact is that they don't want to commit the three years probably that it's going to take to get Batances. That's just my feeling that on how they've, and because they, we're looking at how they've operated with Dellen Batances before. It seems like they've tried to, you know, undercut him in every opportunity they possibly can, whether it's lying it's about so weird medical the, stuff. This, this one guy, it's just like one yeah. thing after another with or him. Or trashing him in the local papers guy, when it local comes to player. arbitration. You know, it's just, it, the track record is, is very weird with him. And I think that he sees, you know, his opportunity right now to go out there and, and to try to get as much money as possible. And I think that some team is going to offer him you know, a three-year deal. And I think that's fair. I think he deserves it. And especially if this Achilles injury is just a, if it is just a strain and he's going to come back 100% from it and he's got the medicals behind it backing that up, then I think that there's no doubt someone's going to give him that much money. Might be um, the Phillies. And that, and that term. Possibly, yeah. I mean, there's all sorts of convenience. Phillies are now. linked to every ex-Yankee because of <laughs> Joe and, Yeah. And guys who are not even ex yet, but but on the on the market, you know, haven't even left the building Right, Didi, Didi, by the way, was definitely in Tampa on Monday morning. I saw Sunday that picture night, of him Monday on the flight. Morning. Yeah, we saw a picture of him on the plane. Uh, he was just he was just fishing somewhere else too, not in Tampa, somewhere in the, I think either South Florida, like further South Florida, with Greg Bird, not Greg Bird, but he was going on a um, he was on a flight. Someone had a picture of it. We saw in like a, a Facebook group. I and I, I messaged the guy and was asking about. It. He was a a guy who worked at the airlines. And took a picture of Didi in uh, on the plane going from Tampa to Miami at like nine o'clock, ten o'clock in the morning on uh, last Monday. So he was there for a meeting. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like, and, or, and to was, cle- or to clean clean out some stuff that he had there. What what's in Tampa? I don't know. So he was there for something, and and quickly. He's got. I'm sure he's got some place that he rents for for spring training. No. Maybe. I mean, I, I wouldn't. Maybe. Who knows if how long term those things are, but yeah, I, I don't know. To me, like all the brass, everybody who's making any decision for the New York Yankees are in Tampa, so that's that's where you go to make decisions and, and deals and sign things. Getting back to Trident, though, talk about if, them. If there's one thing that Brian Cashman just seems to have his finger on, it's undervalued bullpen arms. Yeah, he picks these guys out of obscurity sometimes, and they contribute to the bullpen. At a very high level. He's done it a thousand times. So don't you have some confidence that Brian Cashman and his team of nerds and maybe the new pitching coach, Matt Blake, says Trinan is a good buy low candidate right now. We can turn him back into 2018 version. Yeah, no, it's it's very possible. And I don't think it's a huge risk either. And that's why I, I see them 
trying to be flexible and staying with the one-year deal and giving up a low-end prospect that's going to amount to nothing anyway. It would basically be a salary Oakland, dump for Oakland's Oakland. already got like five or six of them, you know, from from the Yankees farm system. Why not yeah. add another one to the to the cabinet? And I, I think that when they're looking at that, I, I do believe that the commitments, the 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 the, the pin between signing Batantis and not if Batantis were to agree to a one year deal, I think he comes back. But I just don't see him doing that. I don't think it would be smart for him personally. Um, well, it depends on the. I mean, if he gets decent money for the one year but the thing is is that it all goes away when you're thinking about the way baseball contracts are they're all guaranteed money so if you could guarantee yourself 10 million dollars three years you're guaranteeing 30 million dollars or one year at 12 million what are you doing well knowing yes. knowing what's happening what, what are you doing what if it's one year 12 million or two years 16 million well then that then yes you make that deal right but i, just, I don't think it's gonna be that low eight million a year why fangrass projected him at nine million I don't care what they does it. Do I look like a guy that cares about the projections from these nerd freaking websites? Okay, but you can't you use that as a ballpark? I, I think it's higher. I do think it's higher, and I don't think it's going to be a two year deal. I think that if for it to be worth his time, it would have to be a three year deal. They projected him to at get least the a contract. player option. They projected him to get the contract that Adovino signed, which is three times nine, twenty seven million for three years. Well, there you go. Didn't so Adesino, I you know? Okay, so that's that's a three-year deal, though. That's not two years. Yeah, three years. But if the market dries up and it could dry up, then you go for the one-year deal. If it's a two, if you're talking about a two-year deal and a one-year deal, and you can get a little bit more out of that one-year deal, and you probably can because now you have some leverage saying, okay, I'm doing it for one year. You got to pay me a little bit more for this one year. Then okay, then Pro- yes, it's a then you sign the one-year deal. He'll go out and prove himself. Yeah, then, then you sign the one-year deal and you bet on yourself, but. If it's between a three-year deal of guaranteed money at ten, nine, ten million dollars, um, yeah, then you're guaranteed that much money. That's a lot of money to be guaranteed. All right, if you're looking for some good ideas for a, a guy in your life, let me break it down. Stop getting all the nonsense, the little trinket, the socks, the the cliche wallets, the ties, all that crap. Do the do this guy a favor and make his life more simple. That is something that I absolutely value now. If I could get something that takes away the thought process of dealing with an everyday process, I'm happy. That makes me a happier dude. If I don't have to remember to go get razors and shaving cream and all that stuff and and use a dull razor all the time, that makes me happy. Listeners of this show can get $5 off any Harry's razor shave set by heading to harrys.com slash blue wire. Free shipping ends on December 16th, so act now. This is a perfect, perfect gift uh, for the guy in your life. Holidays set start at 20 bucks. That's within the Secret Santa limit, so you could do something at work, or if you have a brother or a boyfriend or whatever, it's perfect. The blade refills are as low as two bucks and will save him money, and it's a perfect give to give back because, listen, they, they actually donate 1% of all sales to a charitable organization. As a special offer, fans of the show, we've, har- we've partnered with Harry's to give you $5 off any shave set including their limited edition holiday sets when you go to harrys.com slash bluewire. Now you'll get free shipping. Each Harry's shave set comes with a weighted handle with the option to engrave five blade razor cartridges, foaming shaving gel for a rich lather, travel cover to protect the blades, and it's all packaged in a handsome holiday gift. Free shipping ends on December 16th, so act now. Just go to harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire. Before we get to mailbags, 
Astros cheating update. This is becoming a thing every episode. And maybe people are sick of it, but maybe people aren't. So there was an article on SNY written that the Yankees were complaining after game six of this year that the Astros were using light signals to relay signs. So not trash can banging, not towel placements, not you know crotch buzzers or whatever we talked about last week. Potentially light signals out somewhere in the outfield to relay signs. The article said the Yankees only noticed it early in the game, but obviously um, Chad Green gave up the three-run home run in the first inning of the game, and it was on a pitch six inches off the inside part of the plate. Looked like, what's his name? Um, Guriel. Guriel was sitting all over an inside fastball. When you, when you know what's happened already now and you see that home run, I guarantee he knew that that was coming. I know for a goddamn fact that he was sitting fastball. I mean, I it was very clear that he was sitting fastball anyway. Whether he knew it was coming or not, he was sitting fastball. But now, he definitely knew it was coming. And he was <laughs> definitely sitting fastball on the inside of the plate. How did he hit now it, all I still he's don't know do, how he hit it. Because he turned on it. And all you got to do is turn on it. it. You know, if you get that bat out uh, ahead of... If you get the bat out ahead of, a, um, ahead of the plate to where you can make contact... You could, you could turn on the ball. If you know it's coming, you could turn on it and get it out. And, and he did. He turned on it quickly and, and got it out. Um, but yeah, that pitch was a good pitch. It was a damn good pitch. Yeah, it's not a pitch you usually give up a home run on. No. It's a broken bat is what it is. Or, yeah, or, or pulled foul. Like, no one keeps that thing fair. Or you sit on it and you're going to hit it thinking it's something <laughs> else if it's not a fastball and you almost break your hands because it's coming up on you. Like, it, it was it was a good pitch that was uh, on the well inside of the plate. Not even – it was off the plate. It was a good pitch on the hands. Yeah, so it was very – you know, we're hearing more things whistling. Yankees complaining about whistling in the first two games of the series and now potentially light signals in game six. So – Again, this might be nothing, but it could be something. And the more information that comes out, everyone's going to be paranoid about the Astros. Anything that they notice, anything anyone noticed, will be said now. Absolutely. Uh, they need to hurry up and make these decisions on what's going to happen. You mean happen. the penalty? No, yeah. this is going to take forever. But they, they need to... Because baseball is going to want to gather every little detail they possibly can so they don't, they don't mess this up. Baseball cannot mess this up. Well, they have to just... Go to the other side then. You don't have to look at every detail. You need to go to the side that penalizes them because you cannot mess it up on that side if you go harsh. In the, in the eyes one of many city. people, you can't, but I think they're going to take their time. There's going to be a lengthy investigation. And I mean, how lengthy can you go, though? Because it's got to be. It's got to happen before the season. you got to have, have this go. Uh, it's got to be wrapped up by February. Uh, yeah, you would think so, but it wouldn't shock me if it's not. Yeah, that's a mistake if it is. If they have this lingering into the season, that's a mistake. That's a huge mistake on a PR side, on a, on on the fact that you know people have to make decisions for what's going to happen next year. I mean, the Astros have to make decisions, and who knows what their penalty is? It could have implications on what they do in the off season. So, yes, you're not looking at that as a, a determining factor to like cater to them, but it's still a part of it. It's still a piece of the puzzle. Other teams want to know what happens. And with the penalties so that they can move on and adjust to whatever that whatever that is. They just need to know what that is. Yeah. And so do the think. players. You'd think. But because the players are play they're they're would it shock you they gotta get baseball? their cheating plans. They gotta Scott, get their cheating plans done right now. Would it shock you if baseball does not handle this properly? No, because they've done that a hundred times. Yeah, exactly. 
So th- th- this could be dragged out into the first part of the season and everyone's just going about their business with the Astros. Like this one's a little happened. different in the sense because there's so much... There is so much smoke and, and not even smoke. We've seen like hot embers. Like there is there is a, a flame that There's is happening There's ex-players right now. reporting what we now have found video footage of yes. and, and picture, foot, picture proof of. Yes. So yeah, it, it, I know it's not actually been proven, but it's basically been proven. And that's the thing. When you have such visible, clear evidence of what's going on, then you got to move more quickly. You got to move more quickly and, and you got to make a, uh, a swift decision because I think anything, anything less than that, if you're dragging this on, well, well now you're going to start questioning the, the leadership of baseball. And now Manfred's on the, on the hot seat for, for looking at a bunch of things. If he comes out and acts like the sheriff and does a swift, uh, swift kick in the ass and, and lights them up, I think that he will be looked upon a hell of a lot more favorably. If there's nothing done before the season starts, do you think teams would protest playing there? Yeah, probably. And do you think something along those lines, whether it's protesting playing there? But yeah, I could see that happening. There, yeah. there would be a lot of. Can you imagine the the meeting at the plate before the game starts every time they're at Tropicana Field? <laughs> you mean with the, with the managers? Not no, Trump the manager the managers meeting where they're you know exchanging lineups and talking at home plate with the umpires, and you got. You yeah. got Aaron Boone and AJ Hinch or whomever and AJ Hinch every game. You oh. got the wrong juice company. What's company? What did I say? Tropicana? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Minute Maid, whatever. <laughs> in right. in Houston. You want to read mailbags? I, I my voice is shot. Yeah. Let me uh let me get there. All right. Andrew, this one's from Andrew C. Hey guys, love this show. What would constitute this off Yankees offseason a success? What would you constitute a failure? Everyone wants to see a Garrett Cole signing, but what if he simply refuses to come? Or what if the money is too high for a Strasburg or a Zach Wheeler? Remember, Cashman surprised everyone last year with a trade for James Paxton and the in-season move of, uh, for Encarnacion was savvy and creative as well. The easy solution after watching this year's playoffs is to say just sign starting pitching. I could argue against that. But we all know the New York front office will never have uh, never has it that simple with the coaching staff already being addressed. What do you think needs to happen personnel wise in order to push this talented team over the hump to achieve 28? So th- that's a different question. His last question is a different question than what do you consider a success or a failure? Right. Because well, it depends and not in some people's eyes. I think it's the same thing in some people's but, eyes. Okay. Yeah. Fair. But some people are saying Garrett Kohler bust, but that's a little unfair to say. Starting pitching needs to be addressed. Though. Yeah, I mean, nobody. We're, we're talking about fans here. Emotional fans are not are not fair. <laughs> no, we're trying to be fair. I'm trying to be fair. You're trying to be fair, but you know, emotionally, there's a lot of people that aren't fair. And you know what? They have the very they have the right to to believe that not signing Garrett Cole is a failure. Well, I see that argument. I've because I, it's I fully would sign Garrett Cole in a, in my GM plans. I signed Garrett Cole, but. Like Andrew lays out, what if the Angels offer him a contract that's so outrageous that even most Yankee fans say, well, that'd be stupid? I think you'd be, I think for him, it's going to be, I think everybody already knows what it's going to be. It's going to be, you know, 250 plus. You're, you're looking at what it's going to be. Um, 
But I, I do think it's very it's very comparable when you look at what happened last year with Corbin. Corbin was offered a stupid contract, a very high contract for what we thought he was going to get. I think expectations play a lot into this. Expectations say to us, Garrett Cole very well could be the highest paid pitcher in baseball history. And people are totally fine with that because I think they're already expecting that. They see Scott Boris. They see a guy that pitched the way he pitched into the World Series and during the World Series. And they're saying this guy is going to get the biggest contract and probably deserves it. So what's what's stopping you? Right. Corbin was not that guy. Okay, so you answer the question. What's a what's a success? What's a failure? I think if we're if we're talking about in the fa- fans' eyes, uh, a success is your eyes. Cole. I want to know your eyes. Well, I mean, you know, I, I'm different. Look, I, I'm I, I take an approach to this that's a lot more eyes open in the sense that I understand that they're not going to sign the biggest guy, and I don't think it's a an end all be all because I do believe that. I mean, I like Zach Wheeler a lot. I started falling in love with him um, when I started before my GM plans and and all these. Uh, okay, but that's a starting so, pitcher. So you think they need to? I do acquire think they a starting pitcher in some form, trade yes. or signing. Yes. And if they don't, that's a failure. The offseason. That's a big missed opportunity. Yes, it's a failure. I'd say it's a failure. I agree. If they don't address the starting pitching, it doesn't have to be Garrett Cole. Doesn't have to be Zach Wheeler. But it needs to be addressed. I will again defer to Brian Cashman to say this is, in my mind, an upgrade. And I will say, well. Okay, I've trusted you this far. I trust you again. But something needs to be done to try. You trusted him with the starting pitching, in general, with the team. Yeah, but starting pitching—if you put it on an isolated island—it's been—it's been been very highly questionable. So why would you? So why would you then believe in him if he says that to you about the starting pitching? I trust him that if a move is made, then you know, like James Paxton last year. Yeah. A lot of us said, well, James Paxton and Patrick Corbin could be very similar performance-wise. And for, for money-wise, you got a much cheaper version of the same pitcher. Look at the second half of the year, and, and yeah. you see a hell of a pitcher that, that, the, um, that, that had to go around his pitching coach in order to make improvements. But that, that kind of deal might not be out there this year. And no. the best deal might be sign Garrett Cole to a seven-year, $280 million contract. Here's another way to look at something, and I think that some people haven't totally looked at and thought about. And maybe the Yankees, and and I think they showed that they did, that they like the talent that was on their team, the arm talent uh, that was on the team during the year this year. And I think that they believe that they ran into some bad luck with injuries and, and whatnot in the first half of the year and then got those guys back. And if you look at what happened after the trade deadline, the starting staff was good. It was very good. And even throughout the playoffs, it was good. It was no, not a problem it, down it was the stretch. Not, it was not it was, deep uh, enough. Not deep enough, but it was there. Uh, but again, there's too many. There's a lot of arguments you could say about that. Is, is, is the philosophy talent, of the New York talent, Yankees talent-wise was not the question. But here's depth. hold on. Let me let me let me let me speak to this. I think that depth. Well, depth also had to do with injuries as well. So there was some bad luck too with the whole Herman thing. Like they got they got decimated whether it was injury or just or, or guys being assholes off the field. For whatever reason, they weren't pitching at, at certain points. But the Yankees did address now the pitching coach. They've addressed what what's uh, the philosophy of what they're doing. And maybe they believe that they see the guys that they, they have currently on this team, similar to what the Astros saw with Garrett Cole when they made that move for him, that they see a guy that they can turn into something much better. And maybe Matt Blake and, and his staff and the people that are going to be around him say, you know what, the people that are on this staff currently – I know that we can get much better out of them and, and make them, um, you know, a much higher, uh, higher elite, elite level uh, starting pitching staff 
And they don't have to make that big move. So they're looking at guys like Wheeler or somebody lower level than that. So look, I think that there's an address. They, Wheeler, I think, it. would be a big move. Wheeler's gonna. Get I think Wheeler's a big move. A yes. hefty contract, whether it's what you projected or not, it's still gonna be a hefty signing. But I think that that's the thing. Like you can look at what Cashman has already done to the pitching. It's almost now he's taken it off his plate, kind of. He's saying, mm. you know what? I'm now I'm putting it into no. the analytics, and no. I'm and we're we're trusting this system. It's st- I mean, it's still on him. It's I understand. Still that. on him. But Everything a, is on him. Whether a, uh, this goes back to the Ellsbury thing, whether he physically wanted to sign Ellsbury that. or not, Brian but, Cashman gets the blame. But he's changed the system of evaluating these guys now, and the system in, in which they are now bringing people up. Right. So maybe that difference. Maybe that difference because it's made significant differences and paid significant dividends for the Houston Astros in making similar changes. And you see it around the league for people that have put money into uh, this thought process and this philosophy and have, have emphasized it, they have seen good things. So maybe that is, is the, the edge that they think they need because they have the talent existing. So if they don't go out and make a big move, they did make a big move in the pitching in the sense that they're, they're, they're approaching it in a different way. I'm just playing devil's advocate here and like looking at sides of if they don't go out and sign a pitcher. Yeah, they that's did, not going to be satisfactory. It's not going to be satisfying. <laughs> No it's chance. not going to be satisfactory for anybody, but I'm saying it, for a non-fan, for actual baseball, it very well could make a very big difference. Yeah, I could see people inside the organization making the argument. We addressed, like you said, the pitching coach, and we're going to get a full season of Severino. Upgrade. Look what happened in the second half of James Paxton after he made adjustments. Big, big difference. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we see more consistent results from actual changes that are good and positive for that individual player. And now we see, uh, we see guys even better. But the argument for signing a pitcher like Cole or Wheeler or acquiring somebody else is still there because when you look at the rotation for not just 2020, but the next couple of years, you've got Tanaka's contract coming to an end. Hap, I wouldn't even want Hap there now, but Hap is definitely gone after next year. So you're going to have spots open in the rotation. Unless he vests it and has a phenomenal year from... I, I can't even see them picking that up, though. No, it vests. It just... It, it's, it's it's a, it was an automatic vest, or yeah, was there a it, buyout? It's innings. No, it's based on innings, yeah. No, it's based on innings. It's based on performance. If he does... If he hits these these uh, some of these vesting options, like, that's, that's my whole point about the third year. It's like, theoretically, you would want to have him back because now you're looking at a guy who's actually achieved you know certain things that were positive so i thought it was because if he has a comeback uh, year if he has a comeback year which is fully fully possible then then i mean do you not want him as a fifth guy if he if you were to come back and show you uh that he was the second the the guy that we had in the second half of uh, 2018 i think a lot of people would want that guy as as their fifth starter so who i think there's adjustments can be made And, and again who knows what these adjustments are going to be made during the spring and right, what's happening right now? Because I guarantee there's a lot of things happening right now, as far as um, you know, Matt Blake and his uh, and his whole team of nerds are are looking. These guys are doing CSI on every single one of these guys and looking. They're probably wiring them up, putting little stickers on them, you know, stripping them down into their into their undies and and got stickers all over them and making them throw and do all these things and to see where they go and to see what their body is telling them on these on these uh, on these cameras and and what adjustments that they think they can make. Guarantee all this stuff is in process right now. J-Hap's contract vests with 165 innings pitched or 27 games started in 2020. There you go. So it's based on volume. So Does I, that not, I, I can't, even if he's pitching well, I don't see them allowing him to get that vesting that option vested. What does that op, does that option if they trade him does that that vesting option stick? 
It didn't say. Because that could be a big peg for some trading him. Well, that could be negotiated in the trade, I believe, with him. With him, maybe. I mean, it's already there. Yeah, but the I, contract I, exists. Yes, but why he, would he have to do anything to do with it? If, if there's no trade, if there's a no, if there's not a no trade, he really doesn't have anything to do with the negotiations. I, I maybe because that trade because the contract is already there. But if it, if it does carry over, so if he throws, so let's say your little your little uh, adorable trade to the Padres, convenient adorable trade to the Padres happens. And but uh, that contract still stays in there, and that vesting options are now. The you're looking at the Padres having to take on two years if he throws 165 innings. But it could be agreed upon where if the option vests, the Yankees have to pay X amount of money. Yeah, I mean that's paying out a lot. Then you're then you're paying a guy who threw that those innings and potentially was pitching well. So I don't know. I don't, I don't like it. I don't see him hitting those vesting options. Yeah, if he's pitching well, maybe. You want to read the final one from John? All right, John, obviously we'd, we'd prefer to have both, but given the choice, who would you rather have? Blake Trinan at an expense of a lower-level prospect and Garrett Cole, who, who would, uh, or would you rather keep Patances and sign Zach Wheeler? I really like Trinan as a bounce-back guy next year, uh, and that rumor reeks of Cashman trying to buy low on a talented guy, similar to what we were just talking about. Yeah, I don't, I don't, this, I don't know why this either-or would exist, but if I have to pick... Well, because I he's want- talking about the money, and I don't know why it would... Re- it would really have nothing to do with Garrett Cole. Or but Zach the money Wheeler, doesn't though. even add up in that scenario. Regardless, let's just play by John's rules here. I'll take Garrett Cole and Trinan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if that's if that's it, if this is like A or B, then yes. There's yeah. no other, nothing else, because nothing Garrett else pending Cole, about that. Even though Batances is, I would rather have Batances than Trinan, I think Garrett Cole is far and away the best pitcher on the market, far and away the best pitcher of these four pitchers. So yeah, give me the best one. We're not, talking about, we're not talking about money. We're not talking about any other circumstances. That if, that's, not, if that's just what we're talking about, then yes. But they have nothing to do with each other. I don't see Blake Trinan as something the Yankees do because of money. Blake Trinan and Batantis are very correlated. The other two are not. They're correlated. They have yes. nothing to I don't do with see those them two both guys. being there. I don't no. see them both being there. But oh, the money, either. average annual value, again, is going to be so similar that you would never make a decision based on that. A couple million bucks a year. Is what you're talking about, Max? Right. No, I think it's more again to the contract, to the to the term of what's happening here. Um, the thing is, if Garrett Cole is signed, it has nothing to do with Batantis or Trinan, because one of them could be signed. Trinan could be just another rumor that's floated out there because nothing else is happening, and the Yankees have made trades with uh, Billy Bean before. It's just it's convenient. There's a lot of convenient rumors going on right now. A lot, of, a lot of, like, who's done business with who, who likes who, who's had so-and-so on their team before, and let's throw them into some rumors together. Yeah, so the Yankees made a, a minor deal with um, the Mariners, Jerry Depoto, and I was going back and— He makes, like, he, 97 trades every, every season. But he, Cashman and he, him have traded at least once every year for the last four years. Didn't they trade the same guy back and forth, like, three times? Theon, when, yeah. With Paxton, right? Theon, yeah. Yeah. He's been passed back and forth to the Yankees and the Mariners now twice. <laughs> I mean, I like making deals with them because, it, well, I, I guess it's Jared Apoto is that guy in your fantasy football league who drafts and then immediately wants to trade. He's got like four trade proposals out the night of the draft. Yeah. Yeah. I, but he actually does it in real life. That's, yeah. <laughs> and I don't even know where he, like, where do you end up at the end of the day with him? Not, nowhere. Mediocre. Back in the same place. Back in the same place. 77 wins. That's yeah. where you end up. Right back in the same place. Yeah. 
All right, that's it for Mailbag. Submit your questions at bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast or on any of our social media channels. Last thing we're going to do today is something we're calling out of left field. Find that out. And Sanchez destroys that to left field. There it goes. Deep to left. Really deep. In the air to left field. Back at the track at the wall. We are tied. I pissed on a public building. <laughs> yeah. All right, so out of left field. It's going to be a, a weird segment. Who knows where this is going to go? Sometimes it'll have to do with baseball. Sometimes it's not. Today's going to have to do with a, Keurig, a broken Keurig machine. So we have been, we, we have a, I have a coffee machine in my apartment because my, of my dad's coffee company. Just have a real coffee machine. And Leanne had an old Keurig machine from her old apartment that when we moved in together, we just kept in, in a closet somewhere, never had any use for it. And then I, we were just cleaning stuff out because we were receiving so many gifts for, uh, for the wedding that we had to find room for other things. And I was like, we got to get rid of this old Keurig machine. So did you, it, first of all, real quick, I'm sorry. Did you guys have like a box for envelopes and stuff at your wedding or some, uh, something to put any envelopes or anything in there? Yeah, but it was taken up fairly early in the night because, um, because they, uh, Leanne assigned someone to take it up so no one would would steal anything right okay i couldn't because i couldn't find it and i, I and i was telling jj i was like usually there's like a box or something for like an envelope to tell so, you the truth i i believe it was on the table with the seating assignments oh yeah i walked right past that well i just how'd you know what table you were at i found it <laughs> it was more fun that way <laughs> it's like a mystery yeah ironically enough it was in left field yeah keep going with your so. curing story so this Keurig had been sitting in our closet for two years. Leanne put it on OfferUp, the, yeah. the, the app for OfferUp, uh -huh. for $30. I was like, no one's going to pay $2 for this thing. Someone wanted it for $30. We hadn't tested it in two years. That's on me. I should have tested this thing before we sold it. Regardless, it was sold. The guy is texting back and forth with Leanne, like asking questions about the Keurig machine. And she's like, oh, no, it's perfect. Makes great cups of coffee. He goes, do you have any accessories that I can have with it? Who has accessories for a Keurig machine? Guy wanted accessories. We didn't have any accessories. So he drives down from the Bronx. I'm out there lugging this Keurig machine. Put it in the back of his car. He hands us the $30. I'm like, all right, great. Never going to hear Peace. from this again. Yeah. The next day, he sends us a video of the thing not working. It's like making this weird click, click, click noise when he tries to brew the coffee. I'm on Google trying to troubleshoot this thing because I feel terrible that we sold this guy a broken Keurig machine. So I'm like watching YouTube videos on how to fix a Keurig machine. I like sent him a couple articles like, hey, try this, try this. He's just finally like, come on. I'm like, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll get you your $30 back. So little lesson to everyone out there. Do not sell an electronic unless you've tested it in the past two years. I mean, isn't that something that you, sh you should definitely always do? Yes, that's my fault. Before you sell anything, mm -hmm. yeah, like no. just make sure you're not selling a bag of, of, uh, of nothing, a bag of tricks. Yep, yeah, yeah. No, I, I take full, full responsibility, so, full so ownership you're for it. You're the guy now that's, 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 when you sell something online, you're basically, because OfferUp essentially is a garage sale on an app, yep, right? You're just going out sale. and meeting somebody. Um, but if that didn't exist, you're like, you're the guy that sold people broken shit at a garage sale. And now you got to go back and remember where the hell that place was. 
Or you just or you just chalk it up as a as a loss and be like that guy's an asshole. Karma's gonna come back. Right. Well, I he got his thirty dollars back. I was nice about it. Yeah. But there's a lot of people that I think don't do that, and they give that a bad. They give that the, all those those apps like eBay and and just garage selling. Because I'm a I'm gonna I like going out and finding deals. Have That's you ever a, bought something from a garage sale? Oh hell yeah. What? I don't know a lot of things, many things, multitude of things. Usually it's I furniture, think, though. I think if I had a garage sale, physical garage sale, yeah. I would have tested it. The problem is I didn't handle the sale of this thing. So you were just kind of like dealing, dealing with the end result. Like She's I like, it's just, sold. Can you go get it to the guy? Pretty much. I picked Did it up out it? of the closet. Did you clean it? Uh, it wasn't dirty. It was in a closet for two years. Did you, did you wipe it down? Uh, I, I, brushed, no. I brushed That's the no. dust off of it. That's a it no. wasn't, no, it wasn't dirty. Like fit, it, I looked at it. It was not dirty. So here's, here's my pet peeve. Cause I'm on these, I'm on some of these, uh, I'm on some of these apps. I like going and looking at like older stuff. I said on Twitter, uh, this past week or so that I've been on like a starting lineups kick. So I'll like look around occasionally just like when I have a second and I'll look up, you know, remember the old figure starting lineups? Yep. The little, like, um, they're like figurines, basically, of baseball players. I had a bunch of them growing up, a bunch of Yankees. I had, like, Dave Rigetti, um, Ricky Henderson. I have. Yeah, I found, you sent us a picture to the chat. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I put it on Twitter, too. And I found the 1987. Uh, it, it, was, it, was, uh, it was coined as the 1988 Yankees, but it's actually 1987, if you really look at what it was. And um, I got it. It was still in the box, like, the whole deal. Like, it was old as shit. It's a collector's I, item. It's, yeah, it's great. I don't keep it in the box. I don't care about the value or collect. Uh, like, I just want it to have getting, it on, like a, 20 on bucks a shelf. <laughs> I'm, not trying to re- I'm not trying to resell it. That's not, that's not the whole purpose of this. I just kind of like it because I like a bunch of... I'm, I'm basically going to end up with a bunch of trinkets in my office. I and, see them behind my, you right now. You got yeah, some bobbleheads over there. Yeah. Anyway, when people don't clean their shit and they sell it, it pisses me off. No, this okay? one's not dirty. I there promise was, you it wasn't dirty. Listen to this. This guy had it in box. But at some point in the last 30 years... A can of Coca-Cola exploded all over this box uh. because there was definitely like stickiness on the, on the dudes. And I'm, I'm, I'm like grabbing it. I pulled it out of the box and I see like a little splatter. I'm like, oh man. And then I pull it out. I'm like, there's stickiness on it. You better I'm hope like, it was Coca-Cola. It was definitely Coca-Cola, like some kind of a, a soda. And it, who, lo- who knows how long it had been there. It was like, it become like syrup again. <laughs> yeah. And it was just like caramelized. On these guys. And it was probably just been a, there since 1987. Probably been on there since 1987 or 1995 when he dropped a can of Coke uh, rum, rumbling through his attic. Um, so like that 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 part of it, like if you're going to sell something to somebody, clean it. I, whenever I see in a listing like, oh, it just needs a little bit of a cleaning, I move on. Because I'm like, just clean it. Now I don't trust you. I'm a, I agree with you. I sold him a perfectly clean but broken Keurig machine. Shame on you. Good news is, is the the bad rating goes to Leanne's account, so I can still sell. Still Did he give you a bad rating? I don't know. I'm assuming so. Well, if you gave the money back to me, it's no harm, no foul. Like it was. Like, I get, we gave mistake. the money back, uh, and I spent an hour trying to troubleshoot this thing with him. Yeah, I mean, if it's if it's that, you should probably. If anything, he should have only. I should have only given like twenty bucks back. Oh, that's just dirty. <laughs> <laughs> that's then I come and stand outside your building. And wait for you to come out. <laughs> well, we didn't meet him right outside the building. I'm not that stupid. Well, wherever you were, you were probably within a half block of your apartment. Yeah, I just gave him a cross street. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> all I walked out All I'm saying is I know you live around there. <laughs> I'm hanging out. Yeah. And we're going to have words. This is going to become a Seinfeld episode. Yeah. I was thinking that the whole time. And 
I really did feel bad. There's like when I was I was watching the video and like I was turning bright red. I was like, I can't believe we sold this guy the broken machine. But yeah, hey, it happens. Now you've learned your lesson. You probably will never sell anything again. No, I'm I'm a <laughs> I'm not a sell something guy anyway. I'm just a throw it in the trash. Yeah, I've become that. I've become at, at some point like I would go and like I would save the amount of I have two boxes filled with like cords. Just cords of like stuff that I've had, like extension like, cords and stuff, like extension cords or like printer cables and like oh telephone yeah, what lines. are you gonna do with those? Because I'm, I always need at random points. I'm like, oh, I need this, and then I go to my box. But it's not tri- like you're labeling the cords, so you're now rifling through dozens of cords. Oh, they're organized. The right they're organized. They're all like, wow. I, I got them organized, and, and I know where things are. But then as soon as I start throwing things away, because I've gotten to that point, where I'm just like, I'm, I, don't, I don't really care anymore. I'm just throwing things away. Next day, I need it. Uh, Happens yeah. all the time. So the, uh, like I said, I'm a, th- I'm a throw out guy. The, the trouble for 20 or $30, like the time it took me to try and troubleshoot this thing, walk down, talk to the guy, hand him the cure. Like it's not worth the 30 bucks. I'd rather be done with it in two seconds and throw it in the garbage. So what you do is if you have, you make, you make like a time of or like every six months or once a year or whatever, you say, I'm going to go through and find a bunch of crap that we don't want and, and list it all. So you do it in like one shot, you, you bulk it. And then, and now you're not this 30 bucks, but you sold like 10 things. And now you have like 500 bucks. You're like, okay, that was worth it. But if you that, just do one at a time, you're but like, the, but you have a house, you have the luxury of a house that you can store stuff. Yeah. Like we have a small apartment that half the stuff we got for the wedding, we had to put at our parents' house because you just can't fit it all in your apartment. Yeah. Yeah. I understand that. So. Trash. Throw it in the trash. All right. all right, I like this. We're gonna do some random the out of left field, some random segments. Yeah, this was all. This was uh, stemmed from your squirrel story a few years back. The, yeah. the, the Scott versus the squirrel saga. God damn that squirrel. They have not come back though. I can tell you that much. Yeah, they're afraid. You're, they're afraid of you. You're goddamn right. They're afraid of me. <laughs> all right, guys. Th- uh, thanks again for the voicemails. If you want to call the voicemail or, or the mailbags, if you want to call the voicemail line, it's six four six four eight zero zero three four two. Submit your questions for next week, and we will talk to you then. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.